Welcome to another episode of Living a Good Life with David B. Foster. And that is me. I am your host. Look, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. Also, make sure you like and share. It is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, depending on which platform you are listening on. Last week, we talked about six steps to... um, success this week I want to talk about or last week we talked about six weeks to being a more successful you so this week I want to talk about five steps to good success that's five steps to good success and for all my Bible readers of course you know I'm going to um, Joshua 1 and 8 and really I think I call this the five principles of good success. Five principles of good success. Yeah, I like that better. All right. So, of course, you're going to go into Joshua 1 and 8, and it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. All right, that's the King James Version, Joshua 1 and 8. And so success is defined as favorable or a desired outcome. Also, the attainment of a goal. Again, so success is favorable or a desired outcome or the attainment of a goal. In this world that we live in, especially those of us who are in Western civilization, you know, success is something that's um, constantly before us. It's something that's constantly pushed uh, upon us. And, it's, and to be honest, it's something that many of us are pressured with on a day-to-day basis. I mean, because who doesn't want to be successful, Right. Everybody wants to be successful. But what we must do is put proper parameters on what success is and also allowing or not allowing society to define your success, but allowing uh, your success to be, to be defined by the one and only person who really counts, and that's God and God himself. All right. And so we talk about success again is favorable or desired outcome or the attainment of a goal. Right. And so success would be if I say I'm going to eat a healthy dinner. Right. And then I actually do that. Right. That's success. Or let's say I say um, I'm going to enroll in an online class. Right. Or I'm going to join a gym or. I'm going to um, clean out my closet, right? Uh, um, That is success, right? But here, good success is this. Good success is, I'm not only going to eat healthy for dinner, I'm going to change the way that I eat for the rest of my life, right? I'm not just going to eat healthy one time. No, I'm going to eat. Uh, incorporate a more uh, a more healthy lifestyle 
um, according to my dietary restrictions or dietary uh, preferences, I should say, I'm going to incorporate that on a day-to-day basis and make good decisions how I eat for the rest of my life. That's good success, right? It's not just enrolling in the class. No, it's enrolling in the class, passing that class, right? And then getting the degree or your certification, right? Depending on the type of class that it's in, right? It's not just cleaning your closet out. No, it's ensuring that my closet is um, continuing to stay um, clean and it's continuing to stay neat um, within reason for the rest of my life. That's good success. So good success is not defined by um, a moment, but rather good success is defined by momentum. That's good, right? So good success is not defined by a moment. It's defined by momentum because the truth be told, right, if we're actually honest with ourselves, we can have bad moments, right? We've all had bad moments. And I mean, and honestly, we're human. And in this life, there are going to be some more some more bad moments uh, as we continue to live. Of course, we would like to minimize those moments and we would like to reduce um, the, the occurrence of those moments. But honestly, we're going to have some bad moments, right? But those bad moments cannot or should not uh, deter us from keeping on a path of achieving or attaining a particular goal, right? And so the ultimate goal in our lives, the ultimate goal in this life that we're living is to please God. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's that's a hundred percent of what it is. It's not 99% and 1% No, it's 100% to please God. And along the way, as a bonus, because God loves us so much, guess what? We get the opportunity to make friends and to have family, right? And to laugh, right? And to share special occasions and and for many of us to fall in love, right? And to have children and to go on vacations, right? And to um, have cheat days, right? <laughs> you know, it's important. I mean, y'all tell them on uh, a better path to eating, right? I'm telling you, those cheat days be coming in clutch. But honestly, um, it is important to understand and to put yourself in proper perspective because what happens is if you're allowing others, it's good, to define your success, guess what? Others will also be able to define your failures. What does that mean? When a person defines your failures, what does that mean? They try to define your failures by defining you. Hmm. In other words, they try to associate that failure with you for um, sometimes for the rest of your life. Other times for an extended period of time, right? They'd be like, you know, you know, even the world would do that. They'll have you to fill out an application or have you to fill out a particular <clears throat> type of questionnaire. And they'd be like, marriage, single, or divorce. Well, I may be divorced right now, but guess what? That doesn't define who I am. I may have experienced divorce, but guess what? I'm not going to say I... 
I'm not going to walk in the mindset of someone that's divorced. No, I'm going to walk in the mindset of someone who's victorious and somebody who's looking to start and to enter into a, a successful relationship and God willing, um, a successful marriage, right? And so people, if you allow people to define your successes, people will define your failures. And so what we should do is allow the word of God and God himself to define what success is. And God said, look, I just don't want you to be successful. No, I want you to have good success, right? Somebody say good success, right? All right. Um, And so it's important to understand that we can have a good success, right? Uh, and, and the five principles of good success are these. They're found right here in Joshua 1 and 8. Uh, number one, you need the Bible, right? It says this book of the law, right? And at that time, of course, they were, they had less of what we have today. But we must understand that the Bible is the genesis of our success, Right? Good success is only good because of God. <laughs> yes, man, I love that. Good success is only good because of God. Because otherwise, guess what? It's just success. And if it's only just success, <laughs> it's success defined by other people, other parameters, and other places, right? Or other environments, and so we must understand that the good success is only defined by God. So number one, you need the Bible, right? Number two, it says the book of law should not depart out of thy mouth, right? Principle number two, in order to have good success, guess what? You need to speak what you desire to see, right? You need to speak what you want to see. If you don't like what you're seeing, then change what you're saying, right? I always say that. If you don't like what you're seeing, guess what? You need to change what you're saying, right? The Bible tells us that God framed the worlds with his word, Hebrews. So it lets us know that what? The world that we have is a sum total of the words we have, Hmm. The world we have or the environment or where we're currently living, the construct of what we do on a day-to-day basis is a direct result of what you're saying or what you're not saying. And so, again, if you don't like what you're seeing, change what you're saying. That's principle number two. Principle number three. It says that um, this book of law shall not depart out of their mouth, but shall meditate but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, right? Meditation uh, is something that the world has tried to um, take ownership of. They've tried to hijack it from the church like many other things, right? Um, Like the rainbow. Uh, But I'm telling you that, look, it's important that you meditate on the word day and night, right? Meditation brings manifestation. That's good, right? Remember that 
meditation brings manifestation. When you meditate on the word day and night, the word, let's see, the word meditate means to mutter softly or to rehearse over and over in a soft voice. And so when you're doing that, right, so now you're not only speaking the word, you're doing it day and night, but you're saying it softly um, in a continuous basis to where not only are you speaking it, it's coming out your mouth. Guess what? When it comes out your mouth, it goes right back into your ear gate, right? And then it's now deposited in your soul and in your spirit, right? And in your body all at the same time, right? And so that's the importance in it. You hear it with your natural ear and you hear it with your spiritual ear. But what's your spiritual ear? Jesus talked about He said, he that has an ear, let him hear, right? Everybody that had has ears do not hear, Right, in other words, they're not tuned in or they're not focused, right? Because meditation brings concentration, right? And so when you meditate on the word, you're able to concentrate, focus in on the word, and then apply the word to your life, right? I remember this old mother um, at our church we grew up in. Um, she passed away few years back but she lived to be almost 100 years old um and she was very anointed i mean prayed and prayed and prayed i mean she prayed uh 10 to 12 hours a day at all times uh, her name was mother you know little may thomas of any of my listeners know her but we know if you need to get a prayer through, you better go see little Mother Little May Thomas. And many many of us went to see her even when we were not living for the Lord because of what was instilled in us at a young age. We went to see her, right? Um, and um, she's, uh, she was a woman of God who was like a prophetess. Uh, the Bible talks about old prophetesses that... Um, Men, and, men of God would go see, and she was one of those. But she was going to have surgery, is what I'm to say. And of course, they had to uh, put her in, or um, they had to give her some anesthesia, you know, for the pain, and of course, to cause her to go into um, uh, and then do sleep so they could perform the surgery. But it was told to us by the doctors who told her. Um, <clears throat> told uh, the people that were with her that even when they induced her into a sleep, guess what she was still doing? She was still praying. <laughs> Man, look, there's a power, t- power testimony. I, I can feel the knowing out for that now because they said that the doctors put her to sleep and they, of course, you know, they you know measure everything out by medical um, measures of unit CCs or whatever. And they gave her the correct amount, of course, and and she was, you know, heart rate slowed down like it's supposed to, but she was still praying and, and speaking in tongues, you know, praying in tongues as she was going through surgery. That's a great testimony to have. Why? Because she meditated on that word day and night, right? That's principle three. Principle number four, right? Here it says that you should meditate on the word day and night. Then thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written 
in, right? Um, you shall observe to do. You know, I just said that it's important because meditation causes concentration and it causes you to focus in. And when you're focusing, you're able to perform the word on a higher level. And, and uh, In other words, you're able to obey the instructions of God when you choose to meditate on the word, right? And so you're supposed to understand that you should do what you say, not do what you want. That's a difference. Do what you say, not do what you want, right? When you do what you say, you get what you want. Hmm. But a lot of times people want to do what they want, do what they want. And then when they do what they want, guess what? They're, they're, they're mad and they're upset. And then they become uh, uh, envious of others because they see other people experiencing a level of success that they know they should be operating in themselves, right? But they're not observing to do, right? Look at that. It says observe to do. When you observe something, what does that mean, right? Again, you're meditating, so you concentrate, so you focus, right? And when you observe something, that means you're watching, listening closely and paying attention, right? Do you know what would have happened if Noah was not observing to do? If he would have missed, if he would have cut one of those boards in the um, just a millimeter too thin, the whole ark would have sunk. If he would have went and not paid attention to what God said, look, I want you to go get gopher wood, right? And he would have would have got some other kind of wood, the ark would have sunk, right? I'm telling you that we often hear this in the world. It says the devil is in the details, right? No, I believe God is in the details. We serve a detailed God, right? God is extremely detailed, right? If you look at Levitic, Exodus, Leviticus, and um, uh, even in Deuteronomy, but then on the first chronicles and second chronicles, we can see the detailed nature of God, and even into the gospels or how the prophecy in the life of Jesus Christ lined up with the Old Testament, uh, even to the very iota and um, the very uh, words that he spoke on the cross. I'm telling you that God is a detailed God, so God is observant. And guess what? We should be observing too. But not just be observing, but we should be observed to do. And when you observe to do, then you're positioning yourself to do uh, principle number five. What's that? You make your way prosperous, right? There's so many people who say they're waiting on God, right? And even beyond that, they're waiting on government, right? Or they're waiting on their friends or they're waiting on their family members, right? They got a business and their family members are not supporting them. They got a business and their friends not supporting them. They got a dream to go back to school and nobody's encouraging them to do it. Look, you got to make your own way prosperous, right? 
when you make your own way prosperous, guess what? Then the scripture tells you what? And then you should have good success, right? Look, your prosperity is in your own hands. How do I know that? Because God told you that. He said, look, he's telling you. He told Josh, just like he told Joshua. He gave Joshua personal instructions. He didn't just sit back, relax, get in your um, lazy boy, kick your feet up, turn on Netflix, and watch me um, prosper you. No, he said, look, I'm going to give you specific instructions, Joshua. I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. But look, these are the things you have to do. You need to make sure you're in the Word, right? And make sure you're speaking the Word, right? And then make sure you meditate, right? You need to make sure you're observing to do, right? And last but not least, you need to make sure you're making your own way prosperous. Look, Deuteronomy 8.18, he said, look, I've given you the power to get wealth. Look, the power is in your hands. And the question I have today, what are you going to do about it, Right? God wants to make you, um, uh, he wants you to be prosperous, but you have to make your own way prosperous. Remember, prosperity comes before success. <laughs> See, many people say, oh, no, you're not successful unless you're prosperous. No, you're not prosperous unless you're successful, right? Because guess what? Prosperity comes before success. How do we know that? We're hearing the scripture that tells us that, but also we look at the life of Joseph. Joseph was called prosperous while he was in jail, right? Now, many people in the Western society, in the world, especially in church, right? Uh, those who are of a particular religious sect, they would say, um, why are you preaching in prosperity gospel? Look, I'm going to tell you right now. If your pastor is not preaching prosperity gospel, you need to leave. Oh, I can't believe, right? Oh, you can't believe I said that. But here's the reason why I said it. Because the prosperity gospel is not a money gospel. No, a prosperity gospel is not a gospel about getting rich. The prosperity gospel is about a gospel of getting God, right? And the more God you get, guess what? The more successful you are, right? When you have God, you have all the ingredients, yes, Lord, necessary to be successful. Look, many people will say, see, they will say that God does not want you to be having all of this stuff and all of these things, even though it's contradictory to Matthew 6, <clears throat> when Jesus said, look, all of these other things will be added into you. But anyway... They're saying that you're supposed to be in a certain economic condition or a certain environment, but they ignore the fact that Joseph was in that very same environment, right? He was in jail. He was without material possessions, right? But guess what God did? God said, no, you're prosperous, right? He said, why? Because you have taken, um, you have taken the steps to get close to me, and because you have more of me, guess what? Now I'm going to cause you to have good success. Remember, prosperity always comes before success. Prosperity is this, and I'm going to let you go. Prosperity is nothing more than trusting God in spite of your circumstances. Ooh, I feel that. That's good. That's what prosperity is, right? 
Trust in God in spite of your circumstances. Look, pay attention. It's very important. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor, you should trust God. Right? Whether you have a lot of money or not a lot of money, guess what? You should trust God because that's what prosperity is. And that's why God called Joseph prosperous. Why? Because Joseph trusts in God even though his life looked contrary to the dreams that he had seen for himself. His life looked contrary to the promises that God had for him. His life looked contrary to what he knew men and women of God, of Yahweh, right, should experience, right? But he said, look, God, in spite of it all, even though I've been lied on, look, and I felt that for somebody, even though I've been mistreated, right, even though I've been falsely accused, right, I've been wrong, guess what? God, I'm still going to trust you. Why? Because I know that I'm prosperous, right? And prosperity is trusting God in spite of, right? Make sure you join us next week here on the Good Life Podcast. If this bless you, look, share this with somebody. Look, um, make sure you give us a good rating. Uh, leave a comment. And we will be back with you soon because God wants you to live the good life. See you soon.